I believe very heavily that by nurturing people, by nurturing your investment and thinking about it in decades, as opposed to in quarters, we're all going to do a lot better. We're going to build better technology. We're going to build better profitability. We're going to build better teams. We're going to build uh, abundance that's shared amongst the teams. Welcome to the CIO Exchange podcast, where we talk about what's working, what's not, and what's next. Meeting Puerto de Leon. In this episode, I speak with VC investor Jan Hardisky, the founder of Health Tech Incorporated. We dive into Jan's perspective on long-term investing and his advice for CIOs as they think about their own investments and navigate conversations with the board or with the executive team. Jan's investments are in two seemingly unrelated spaces, gaming and healthcare. And we also chat about how each of these sides of his career informs and influences the other and what both industries could stand to learn from the other. Jan, as a VC investor, you have a unique perspective on how CIOs should be operating to invest with a long-term time horizon. What is what is your approach to long-term investing and why do you think it's been so successful for you? Well, I, you know, I come out of technology and began as an engineer and working in that kind of world. And the concept of taking a piece of software or a product in itself and iterating on it and growing it and mentoring it and kind of kneading it into place so that it becomes something that for the most part, I didn't start thinking it was. Yeah, it's kind of what starts. <laughs> it, it evolves into something that's quite new and quite intricate, has a market, has a purpose. That takes time. Mm-hmm. And that takes iteration and that takes resilience and all those good catchphrases that are out there in the world. But as engineers, we're we're kind of tied into wanting to put things together and get them out there in the world and get them moving as fast as possible. As an investor, we're geared towards trying to put money into a place and have it returned to us in some kind of meaningful amount of time. Usually that means short. <laughs> but not too short. But And is that, do you feel like that's investors in, in general or sort of you you and your, your colleagues have this kind of feeling? No, or? I think it's investors in general. I think that yeah. there's this, but it's not just investors, it's human. It's kind of a human thing to want to be able to take a risk and then see a reward very quickly, right? But when you're dealing in technology, when dealing in, in small business investment, and where we've found a lot of, of really great success and had a lot of fun with it as well, is tamping down that need for initial fast reward, right? And really doubling down, tripling down on the concept of iteration and the concepts of resilience and working with our teams internally, also the small companies that we invest in, to give them a pathway for growth understanding that there's no straight line to that profitability. There's no straight line to that purpose. And that takes time. And so, you know, I've always really enjoyed the concept of running a small business as kind of a bakery where it becomes a family business and you're handing it down from generation to generation to generation. I love that. I think that's fabulous. Because it can be. You can't, it, the bakery is one concept that people think and like they think of that family business, but software as a bakery or technology as a bakery. I think that's a really unique and interesting concept that most people don't really apply when it comes to this industry. True, true. And and that's something that should be. I mean, we should be thinking about this as a generational, multi-generational, long-term concept. And and given we all kind of grew up in in this launch of in this expansion of technology this this wave uh, of technology and so we we would like to think that things churn and burn really quick 
but what we want to do is is really enhance the churn and and kind of leave aside the burn. <laughs> I like that. Less burn. Just less burn. <laughs> yeah, less burn because certainly as an investor I want to hear less burn. Mm, absolutely. <laughs> By changing the mindset as an investor, changing our mindsets to say that we don't need that um, immediate reward, that immediate profitability. But if you can give me 10 years of regularized profitability or, or 20 years of solid, continual growth, that's really where we not only enrich ourselves, but we enrich the cause that we're building a product for, the purpose, hopefully the team, hopefully the, the environment. And it's a great way to think about technology as, as evolving. We had this couple of decade experience where it was, you know, get in, turn around investment as, as fast as you can. And, and maybe that's what was needed. But in the area that we really like to invest and really like to think about it, it's more about how we're going to see the next wave, what's coming down the pike, who's going to give us the, the insights into doing that. And we believe, I believe very heavily that by nurturing people, by nurturing your investment and thinking about it in decades, as opposed to in quarters, we're all going to do a lot better. We're going to build better technology. We're going to build better profitability. We're going to build better teams. We're going to build uh, abundance that's shared amongst the teams. Yes. <laughs> I know that's one of the, the core concepts that we kind of play with is that it's not about a, a very limited, small group of people making profit happen. And I think this kind of fits in with your audience as well is that you know, we're not talking about huge, massive infusions of cash. We're talking about, in, in many cases, personal income that's being infused into a passion or a, a profound technology that you want to see do some good and some change. Yeah. I think it's interesting, too. So with that long-term view, and I like how you talked about sort of nurturing the team and nurturing the investment. And going back to that analogy of the bakery, if you're a technology leader, even you know, if you're in a Fortune 500 company, it's almost impossible to wrap your head around sort of this part of this much, much bigger thing being something that could be handed off to another generation, another wave, because there's always going to be new people coming into the organization, new people adding talent, the next generation of developers or architects or sysadmins who are going to be inheriting what you have built. And to think about it as, you know, I hand laid all the tile and I, I put in like, you know, the bread oven and, you know, this was me and this was like my hands and my, you know, blood, sweat and tears and, and went into this. Looking at it that way changes, I would imagine for you, especially you've experienced this, it changes the way that you make decisions. It changes the way that you upskill people. It changes the way you hire. It changes the way you build strategy. But I imagine there's also forces like in your world, you have some VC investors who want it that quick out. And then of course, let's say in the technology world, you have shareholder value that you're trying to create and that next quarter that you're trying to hit and the next product you're trying to help with a sales team you're trying to enable. How do those reconcile or how do you reconcile those? Yeah, it's always a blend and you need to hold that yourself. <laughs> <laughs> what does that help? Oh, you know, it, it, it's like, like, like your bare hands, like holding it on kind of like Spider-Man and you know, how he's like stopping like the, the train from going off the tracks, you know, that's like just yeah, with yeah. grit and determination. You know, it's, it's definitely about drawing investors and drawing partners and, and clients as well as customers that that you can build expectations for, right? Being very clear about what your goals are as a business and as an investor, and then sharing those goals with your customers. 
and ensuring that they see what is coming down the path and how it benefits their community or their need as well. And I think that if we as investors look at our investment partners, those who some of their needs are fast, right? Some of their needs are, are quick turnaround and some are, are longer term. And then you find people. So blending that together is where I think we've focused a lot of time. Now, we're very clear with, with most people that we work with, and certainly amongst the partners internally, is that we are focused on long-term investment, on decades-long investment. But that certainly doesn't mean that we would turn away some vast opportunity. <laughs> if it's the right thing, we're like, that looks good. Yeah, but well, but you know, that's not something that we would also task or trickle down to our teammates or our businesses or our commu- the communities within the businesses, right? We as humans, I believe, we, we want that stability. We need stability. And so that's really the stability that we'd step forward with when it comes to the internal team. And even if I were to take on and we were to take on partnership that was wanting a quick turnaround or, or a quick return, it would be really, really stratified. It would be really focused. It would be a niche part of a greater offering. So we might have the opportunity to serve up a product for an individual customer who's willing to really juice that, that investment, right? We would spread that amongst the team and make sure that everybody within the team knows that they're still working on that long-term goal, that long-term post. And we would, we as, and I say we as, in, as founders or leaders in the corporation would really work to blend that together with the short-term opportunities. Yeah, and I think that that, that I mean, parallels really well if because you want, like, I like that the, the idea of stability that you talked about. There's a foundation of stability that you want within, whether that's income stream, whether that's investment return, whether it's time horizons. And like, let's say if you're leading a technology team, you want that sort of stable, okay, we want our, you know, our five nines, you know, of uptime. We want, you know, stable, you know, software supply chains. But at the same time, there's going to be exciting, exciting opportunities. Hey, let's infuse this new piece of technology. Let's spin up this new project. Let's do some experimentation. And we want to see, well, how, like, let's iterate super quickly and let's see what we can get back super fast and see if we can get success. And then maybe turn that, like you say, blend, then evolve that into, you know, that stable foundation that you've built. Is that, is that kind of how you, you're looking at it? Exactly. Exactly. And, and I think I talk a lot about longevity, about those many long, long-term investments. And I think, a lot of that is because my re- as as we stepped into this part of this of the software world, all we found was short term turnarounds. Well, I should say the vast majority of what we found were people who were looking to invest and get short term turnarounds. And so I lean very heavily on on speaking about the long term, on pitching the long term, on building teams around long term investments. But I think you're exactly right, and you hit the nail on the head. You have to bring those two together. There has to be a mix of it. And, you know, we do that in our, in, in a, a number of the investments, we invest in the gaming company and we invest in a healthcare company. Well, a healthcare company is a long-term steady slope business, right? I think that's, by the way, I think that's just, that's fascinating that you like put those two together. And what we're going to drill into that really quickly, gaming company and healthcare. I mean, can, continue, but I'm going to, I'm going to double click on that in just a second. Sure, sure, sure. Well, and it, just to round that thought out is that you move passions, Right is that the gaming company is a hit-driven environment. It's spurred, it's engaging, but it's also really, really creative and fast and powerful and utilizing technologies that are cutting, not even cutting, bleeding edge. And then, and if you got, if you have somebody that's burnt on, burnt out on one segment, or you have an investor, you know, to, to be more specific, that's burnt out on one 
area or just doesn't see growth happening fast. Well, you can move them over into something that's that's a little bit more bleeding edge and you want to take a try at, at say, the latest uh, AI or the latest machine learning option. You can move them back. We do the same with our teams is that if somebody burns out in one segment or is feeling like they're not being creative, they don't have a creative outlet. Well, let's go make a game. Let's do something over here and try this for a period of time. And then, you know, if you feel ready and you, you've learned something, you've gained a new technology or you've gained a new perspective on life, <laughs> bring it back to the slow and steady. Yeah. And let's let's blend that together. That's fantastic. And I think that embedded in everything you just said too is that human element. Because you're really, ultimately, you're dealing with individuals, you're dealing with people, and you're not dealing with numbers and stats. And, you know, ultimately, there's outputs of all that stuff. These things go into spreadsheets and PowerPoints and quarterly reports. But you're really looking at the human element in how you're approaching this long-term investment view. Let me go back to that, the, the game and healthcare dichotomy. So you, I mean, you started out creating games, investing in games, fostering games, and then suddenly you decided, okay, I'm going to do healthcare now. <laughs> You've convinced me too that there was, there's a really powerful connection there too. And I, I kind of wanted to dig into that connection and what the benefit is of, and you've already kind of touched on a little bit of having those two sides of the house combining in one but talk about just really quickly how you transitioned from working on games, developing games, hit driven to healthcare, steady state. What what was that like? And why did why did you feel like that was natural? Or maybe it was just it was more serendipitous. Well, I think I lived what we're talking about. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> because I had been working with my my company for about uh, ten years at that at the time that we I, I burnt out. Mm. Basically, I reached a level where. The ebbs and flows, the the rapid ebbs and flows of the gaming industry really hit me hard. And it hit my body hard. It hit my mentality hard. It put me in a bad place. And so I needed to take a sabbatical break from doing that. And what I chose to do, strangely enough, was step into a healthcare company for a short period of time as a contractor and and kind of juice up their product line, right? And this company, it was, it's a company called United Health Group. And they, they had a vast amount of products that were out there. That little company called United Health. <laughs> yeah, a little company. And it was, it was a great company. I mean, yeah. it's, it's very interesting. It's an interesting, at the level I was in, it's, it's a lot of people trying to do a lot of good in the guts of it. And I realized really quickly that what I had learned or what I had experienced in gaming of giving free and easy access to a community and then engaging that community and holding on to that community and then bringing them through to how you kind of utilize these services in healthcare it's a gaming pathway. In healthcare, they call it a health journey. In gaming, we call it a gaming journey. Oh, that's brilliant. And that, that you bridge those two. I mean, it's just, it's, it's brilliant because it is. It's like, it's human interaction. It's engagement. Engagement, I think that's, that's the key piece though. And in, in healthcare, you don't hear a lot of people talking about engagement. They talk about patient care, patient outcomes. Engagement though is the means by which you get a lot of those outcomes. And that engagement drives that experience. Yeah, in healthcare, rightfully so for most part, is really focused on the critical issues and the provision of service once you really, really need it, right? The area that I kind of stepped into and sussed out and have, have grown with over the past 23 years is preventative, is that world where we try to engage people in their own health prior to needing that critical. And that's the hard part. That's where, you know, where it's harder to get people motivated, harder people, but now you're introducing this game theory, this game design engagement into that preventative healthcare. How did you approach that, especially from sort of delving into the investment piece too? Is this, this is how you transitioned in and this is how you started to say, hey, look, I might think about starting to invest in this area. 
Right. Well, I saw, I saw the steady growth of that area for one from a business. So that, you know, there's always the creative and then there's the business side of life in living that process. It, it really was living, you know, I burnt out in one area and I needed to go and find my purpose. I needed to find why I had just done this decade of effort and creative work and how I could apply it for the future. And I was able to find that in healthcare. And then even better, I was able to step back with my business partners and in health tech and monkey bite. It was called monkey bite at the time. I love that monkey bite. Yeah. Monkey bite. That was the, the, the gaming company yes. name. Um, encourage them to understand that we could utilize our knowledge of gaming and our, our knowledge of engagement services and creativity to build something that was really needed in healthcare. And so from a creative human standpoint, I traveled that path that we were just talking about of kind of hitting a wall, but being able to then go focus on something else for a little while and then come back to your creative purpose, right? As a business person, when I put on my business hat, what what we were able to do is we were able to see opportunity in an industry that had this slow, regularized, steady growth and marry that to an industry that that has a, a very you know, six month up and down ebb and flow business model. And together you build stability. You blend that together, which kind of rolls back to what we we're talking about with investments, right? Yes. Investing for the in- immediate reward is akin to in healthcare, investing in just the critical services. I love that. But not thinking about the preventative part of this. No, because that's, and that's one of the things that gives you a lot of perspective and like, hey, look, at if I want to invest in the long term, that's what I'm doing as I'm like in healthcare, I'm investing in that preventative care. I'm looking at what's the future going to be. If we change this behavior, if we do this now, we can save ourselves a ton of, you know, headache, whether it's, that's an implementation, whether that's migration, you know, from, you know, an IT standpoint or, you know, with ourselves, Hey, look, we're going to prevent having these health problems. And it's tough because we can't see that. And it's not necessarily on the quarterly report or the PowerPoint presentation of, Hey, I think we're going to have this thing in the future and we need to start investing in it now because we're going to be handing it to that next generation, whether that's the team or whether that's leadership. And it's tough. I would imagine going back to like sort of putting your CIO hat on, it's tough to then sell that story to the e-staff, to the CFO, to the board of directors. When you say, hey, look at, and I had this a great conversation with Rob Carter, CIO of FedEx, who got in front of the board and said this, hey, look, this is our infrastructure. We can't innovate off of this. We have to start thinking more long-term. We have to build something we can innovate off of. How would you, if a technology leader came to you and said, hey, look, I'm struggling with telling that story, with convincing the board, how would you guide them on, on that journey? One of the first things that I would say is let's not focus on the technology. Let's step back from that and let's be comfortable with throwing it all away. With saying, now you're freaking, you just freaked everyone out, Jan. Everyone's freaking. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but but this is the thing: is that and, and as a technologist, as in the world of CIO work, we tend to really love what we've learned and what we know, and we know it very well. We spend a lot of time focusing on it and building it, and want to see it work well. But it doesn't always mean, especially in the healthcare, and this is what I've loved about taking game concepts and applying it to healthcare, is because in healthcare, it's not about the technology. It's about the human. It's about the customer. And you can take that concept and apply it to any business structure, any startup that you're working with. If you can step aside, if you have the ability to say, look, we're going to subjugate our ego about the technology. 
And what we're going to look at is exactly where the customer is and what it is that they need. And from that point, we'll start thinking about what technologies we can employ. What we found in our investment quite a bit is that we get, and we do this ourselves as well, we come in with very high technology. We've got AI, we've got avatar systems, we've got NFTs that we can employ. I mean, just say Kubernetes, Jan, and everything will be fixed. <laughs> yeah, that's the beauty of gaming is it's testing out and, and touching all of these wonderful cutting and bleeding edge technologies, right? But there's a whole ton of business in between the QR code and the AI. So figure out where your customer is. And if they need a QR code, friggin' build them a QR code generator overnight and then build them a roadmap to how you're going to step them step by step by step over the next five years from the QR code into an artificial intelligence. That is what stepping back into the healthcare industry did for me is it let me see that there was application for the customer. And us as high-end technologists might be running a little too fast sometimes. And by keeping an investment leg in gaming, it's allowed us to continue running ahead and being as creative as we, as we can find ourselves and wanting to be. But at the same time, having a leg into or foot in, in the healthcare industry has really spread out and broadened the investment possibilities because I can see where the healthcare industry is going to be in 10, 15 years from now in games. So you can see where healthcare is going to be in 10, 15 years because of your experience in sort of bleeding edge, cutting edge gaming. I just want to make sure I got that. I'd say it's two, it's two form. It's yes, because of what we see really talented, creative gamers and individuals doing in the technology of gaming and in the experience of gaming, we can see where, where we can speak to the healthcare industry and create a roadmap for them to build that engagement. And I know one of the, the things we were going to talk about a little bit was, was kind of like how we see and where we see artificial intelligence and where we see machine learning kind of fitting into this world as well. Yeah, because we've got those two worlds. Here. Like One foot, as you say, is in steady state. One foot is in cutting edge, bleeding edge. How are you seeing those technology trends changing the way that people are investing, like yourself or like technology leaders? So machine learning is feels now like the old guy in the block, yeah. you know. Machine learning, oh, that was old. Yeah, that's <laughs> still so extremely important and, and extremely uh, a basis for a pillar for what we're doing. Artificial intelligence is the new the new thing, but artificial intelligence from a gaming standpoint, for us, leaps back to early gaming of computer player games. Yeah. Wait, before we get to that too, because when we say when we say AI too, I mean, that's an overarching world. And machine learning is kind of a subset of AI. I think you're talking about sort of transformer architecture, large learning models, when you're talking about next sort of generative AI or just LLMs in general. Correct, correct. Okay. Yeah, and there's a lot of fast money in there. Yeah, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of fast money right now. Right. So for me as an investor, I, I don't look at that. I look at how my businesses I might invest in, or we might, or we do invest in, we work with in our businesses, utilize those tools, because we're looking for longer term and really drawn out uh, investment possibilities and profitabilities. That's not an area for us. For what an area that is really interesting for me now is is the hardware. And this has always been in gaming too. We, you kind of create the games and you push the limits of what, a, how many polys you can throw up on the screen and how fast you can render. And then that pushes the hardware forward and lets Dell sell more computers, right? It's helping video out a lot, I think. 
Yeah, NVIDIA. Yeah, they're a little <laughs> company. It's doing a little bit of stuff. So it's if I were to look at investment in, in kind of that area, I'd lo- be looking specifically at the hardware and what would be driving what's to come next. Because mm-hmm. we've seen a, a leap forward in technical, in the software, in the digital side of it. And now it would be interesting to see how the hardware catches up and enhances what we found there. And I can draw that back again to early virtual reality. When in the 19... What was it in the 1980s? No, early 1990s, when we started doing gaming, our gaming was virtual reality. We literally came out of a company called Virtual Reality Labs that did a USGS, a rasterized USGS maps of Mars and, and the world. And the software was is was brilliant, rendered like just beautiful scenes. But it took Three days. That's that's a that's a little <laughs> you know? that's a little too long. Three days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for a frame to boot, and so uh, you know there was the need for the hardware to catch up, and so this new kind of influx, this new wave of virtual reality that 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 has been happening and that ha- that kicked off a short while ago, it was really interesting to watch that come off of headsets of a new hardware, right, and actually lesser polys than we've been doing back in the nineteen nineties. And when you say polys, how, what is that? What do you mean when you say polys? Polys are, are how worlds are generated inside of 3D spaces. And so you can, you, we used to do a thing called rasterization, which was kind of bit tracing on a screen. Polys, let's say you jump into Quest, Facebook's Quest, and you see a lot of triangles that, and boxes and, and, and kind of basic shapes. Those are based on a number of polygons, a number of drawings. And so it's been interesting to see the hardware now catch up. And all of a sudden, virtual reality gets a second breath. Yes, it, it has been the hardware advancements now allow people to create something just greater on top of that. That just wasn't physically possible. Laws of physics weren't there from a hardware perspective. Yeah, and I'm, I'm excited now to see how software in that area now steps it up. Because now we have hardware that's untethered. That's more powerful than than we had back in the 80s, 90s. Uh, okay, now software guys, you know, we did bleeding edge work there and we got wiped out by the gaming industry because games came in and, and were had better PCs, right? So it's really exciting to see how that works. When I look at artificial intelligence and machine learning today, I say, okay, well, now we've taken, just like in the early 90s, the software took a, a monumental leap forward and is doing some pretty exciting, interesting things. I can't wait to see what a quantum computer is going to oh do. Oh my goodness! <laughs> crazy. Just look at uh, Black Mirror, and you'll you'll see what what it can do. <laughs> yeah, and so that's you know you have these successive kind of leaps, and so when I'm investing in something, I'm looking for what that not what the initial quick spend is, but what's that long term spend. In that case, what's the hardware? And I credit stepping back into healthcare, which is a much more conservative, a much more slow paced but very capable business model, (laughs) teaching me how to work in gaming, how to run a business in gaming. And I credit gaming for teaching me how I could work in a healthcare industry and really bring engagement and utilization and ease of access to Mm. it. I like that balance from so many perspectives. We kind of go through each of those layers of how that balance creates and how those two feed into each other, how the output of one feeds into the input of another and how you're taking learnings and cross-pollinating between the two of them. It's been a good, it's been a good run. <laughs> it's been, has it been? Yes. 
it's, it sounds it's like a it's ride. been a really great and, ride for you, Jan. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and to kind of loop it back to your original question of, you know, what would you say to a CIO who was pitching into a corporation or to a C-level person is throw away the technology first and think about all of this cool hardware and software that you have at your fingertips and think about what the customer wants. Build a pathway, build a five, 10 and 15 year roadmap for how you're going to utilize today's technology for that 15 years from now. And if you can kind of build that, we call it in our business, we call it minding the gap. Minding the gap. I like that. If you can build that pathway, then you've got a good steady business that you can at least begin to structure for. And as an investor, you've got a really great way to look at decades instead of quarters. Nice. And so that's, I guess, a natural sort of flow into our section of the ticket to the board section of the show. How would you say advise those technology leaders then to convince, maybe not convince, but start that conversation with the board, with the CFO, with the e-staff? The thing that I would do is as a CIO, I would let the customer know, the board members know that I know who their customer is as well as they do. What I bring to the table is I also know technology better than they do. And so whether you, whether you're probably never going to know their customer exactly as well as they do, but the effort, it's kind of like speaking in language, you walk into another country and at least you're making the effort to know what the customer and what the pain point is. And you know, this broad sense of, of technology, right? You've maybe become an expert in a, a sliver of technology because you've done that once or maybe many times. You know that you can apply technology. I'm doing air quotes. Technology. It's good to say that when you're on the podcast, air, air quotes. <laughs> yeah. To whatever that customer needs, right? And that's where you bridge the gap. A, a special capability is not knowing how to talk engineering or just knowing how to talk to a C-level staff, but knowing how to take engineering concepts and make them palatable to a C-level staff. Is that what you mean by the gap? You're minding the gap. Yeah, absolutely. Because any C-level staff that looks is looking for long-term growth or steady long-term growth is going to want to know how you are going to apply technology for their roadmap. But you recognize that they're at the QR code today and they want to get to the AI 15 years from now. And you're the one who can walk in the door and, and mine that gap for them, create that pathway. And it all seems logical. In doing so, you convert a corporate structure that's also very focused on quarterly responses into thinking about a 10, 15, 20-year plan, right? You give them the technology tools, the little gems, the little, oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, we're thinking about it. Oh, yeah, it's on Excellent. the roadmap. Yeah, it's coming. It's coming, right? You give them the tools to be able to go back to their investors and convert their investors from being quarterly, quick turnaround reward investors to being decades-long investors. And with that, there's stability, there's room for creativity, there's time for creativity, and you can trickle that down to your com- your community and uh, the kind of culture of your business, as opposed to this quarter, we must turn something around, right? Turn and burn, <laughs> turn and burn. Turn and burn, yeah. <laughs> Leave, you know, I mean, and it's nice to burn things sometimes, yeah. absolutely. To move but, fast uh, and break things. Not necessarily investment. Yes. <laughs> Maybe don't move fast in. Yeah. And, and the nice thing is when you give time for that creativity and there's not the extreme pressure for quick turnarounds, you have the ability to take team members and to take investors and to take even customers 
and move them into these quick churn and burn, you know, try it and break it environments. But you've built the expectation. It's not, if this burns, we're all done. It's, this may burn, but we're going to learn something. And boy, if it doesn't burn, oh my God, now we've got something for that roadmap. That's fabulous. Right? Uh, well, Jan, this has been a fascinating conversation. I think the analogies that you're putting forward to the mining the gap, the steady state versus quick iteration, um, I think are really powerful. Where can people find you out in the world? Can they find you in virtual reality in the metaverse? Where, where can they see what you're working on, what you're doing? <laughs> I try to exist all over socials just because it keeps me in touch with my kids. There you go. <laughs> so that, that's a good place. Health Tech Creative or Health Tech Incorporated is our, our newest business. And it's certainly a passion for us and kind of brings together, blends together that technology and healthcare and purpose. So that's another place to find us. Fabulous. As well. well, Jan, it's, like I said, great conversation. And thank you very much for joining the CIO Exchange podcast. Thanks for helping me crystallize even my own thoughts. I learned a lot. Oh, this is good. So this was, this was <laughs> a two-way awesome. here. This is fabulous. I love it when I, Absolutely. When I can make that happen. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm going to ruminate for some time on this. Wonderful. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this latest episode. Please consider subscribing to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And for more insights from technology leaders, as well as global research on key topics, visit vmware.com slash CIO.